0: Welcome to The Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast delivering you the insight, ideas and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to The Retail Transformation Show my name is oliver banks and i'm proud and delighted to be your host i'm a retail transformation specialist a coach and a consultant here to help retailers change and navigate the ever-evolving world of retail by developing successful operating models for the future thanks for tuning in this one is episode 170 number one seven zero now today We continue our dive into the world of quick commerce or Q-commerce. Last time round, in episode 169, we started this journey and we looked at a number of different aspects around the world of quick commerce. We looked at the landscape. You know, it's a very competitive market with a load of startups in there at the moment. You know, we talked about what quick commerce is really about. You know, it seems about speed, but actually... It's more about convenience where speed is a proxy. We looked at some of the psychology that's going on in customers' heads that makes quick commerce so addictive and in turn, a really fast growing area of retail. And then we also looked at four business models of quick commerce. So do go and check that one out if you have not already listened to it. That's episode 169. But today I want you to continue our dive and explore a couple of aspects. Number one, the operating model that is needed for quick commerce. And number two, some of the challenges that you need to face into if you are thinking of quick commerce as part of your retail strategy. The show notes for today are at obandco.uk 170. That's obandco.uk 170. And to kick off today, I wanted to zoom into a bit of a case study to set the scene and help to uncover some of the operating model best practices, as demonstrated by one of the high flyers in this ultra-fast delivery space. And we're going to be thinking more about Getir. Getir is a Turkish company, founded originally in 2015, and then in 2021, they started expanding internationally, initially in London, and now, just 12 months later, they're operating in over nine different countries across the world with a presence in over 115 cities. Not bad for a company only founded in 2015, like I say. Now, in Turkish, getir means bring, and their focus is on delivering groceries in just 10 minutes. Their business model is around being a retailer. So they have dark stores, they operate their own website, their own app, they're procuring products, and they're owning that entire end-to-end retail experience. Now, get here are really optimized for speed. Picking an order reportedly takes around one minute on average, but depending on what the customer is buying, it could even take a handful of seconds. They have a policy of no substitutions, which of course can slow down picking in a bigger grocery e-commerce operation. But to do that, their app, their website only displays products that are in stock. They've got automatic reordering, of course, of the most popular products and what is selling. And their entire business is focused around very specialized roles with clear handover points, whether that's around replenishment, or picking, or driving, of course. Their staff get performance bonuses for meeting important KPIs, whether that's around speed, whether that's around reduction of damages or around pick accuracy. But whilst Getter is a retailer, they are also a tech company as well. They have a proprietary mapping technology and analytics to find the optimum location for warehouses based on their user demand. And they're very strategic in choosing exactly which densely populated areas they are going to grow into. They recognize that they are not going to have nationwide coverage. It is for cities. It is for dense, built-up residential areas. And that's where their algorithms can connect orders to customers and ultimately ensure that they can meet that delivery proposition. And everything is timed in the business. They know exactly how they're going to deliver that 10 minutes because it is such a huge proposition to make. And I think there's a number of different lessons that we can all learn from Getir, as well as other companies as well. I do encourage you to do some research, understand more about how some of these different quick commerce companies are operating. But for now, I wanted to touch on some of those key operating model considerations. Firstly, let's think about location. Now, in many ways, if you are aiming for ultra fast deliveries, Location is your strategy, and you need to think about where your fulfillment centers are, your micro-fulfillment centers, or your dark stores, or whether it is being serviced from an existing estate as well. To get that speed, you need to think about lots of small locations, not just a few big fulfillment centers. One key trend here is going to be the repurposing of Large, maybe unprofitable stores or unprofitable space within a store into a dark store or partially dark store. But also think about the location of empty stores in towns and cities that actually are very near to the delivery locations. But for one reason or another, and we're not going to get into that here, it is an empty store and it is sat there doing nothing. Now, of course, a dark store is completely closed to the public. And that makes it so much easier to maintain, which we'll get onto in just a moment. It's going to be very critical as you think about data and as you think about some of the elements about optimizing for speed. The units are generally going to be small to minimize travel time because you're probably not going to be offering the full range. And we will come back and talk about that in just a little moment too. But you are gonna want to be very intentional with keeping that layout small and compact, and really focused on the best selling items and the placement of the best selling items as well. Order processing is going to be a key aspect here. And in particular, the speed and agility of the data. If you are going for an ultra fast delivery, every minute does count. So you need to have super fast speed of processing. You don't want to have to wait because data cycles only every 15 minutes, let's say, right? You're dead in the water before you've started. If you are in that 10-minute grocery space, or actually even in other categories where 10-minute deliveries are expanding into as well. Stock record integrity is critical because if you've got stock record errors, then replenishment's gonna be harder. And of course, you're gonna get lots of picking errors as well, and that is a way to disappoint your customers. So that integrity is really key. And I think that's where having a dark store or a micro-fulfillment center that is closed to the public will, of course, help because you can just keep so much better control of that stock. It's not going to be sat in a customer trolley or basket or cart as they walk around the store browsing. But it's also important to think about the agility of the data in terms of how you can transmit data and process data between your different systems. You're going to want to have your stock availability pulled out from the store or fulfillment center and displayed on the website or on the app for the most relevant location wherever the customer is. That needs to be processing quickly. You want to be able to update on delivery slots and availability quickly. Again, depending on that delivery location and the wider environment, as well as the current time and external environment, traffic for example. You're then going to want to process those customer order details and quantities from your app or from your website through to your warehouse management system and through to your distribution system as well. You're going to want to be simultaneously planning the delivery at the same time as picking in terms of doing route planning and assessing the best individual for the task. You'll then need to ensure that you quickly and correctly connect the right order to the right courier to the right customer, making sure that there is that physical and digital handover. And then you can layer on top of that a number of different communications with the customer via emails or text or app notifications, as well as various data communications within the company, whether that be to reporting systems or finance systems, etc. So this whole data agility and data responsiveness is a core part of quick commerce, even more so than in a normal retail operation. The pick and pack operation is again, another essential part of the quick commerce operating model. Everything is set for speed. And certainly if you're in that 10 minute area or wanting to be in that 10 minute area, you're going to want a visual clock ticking down To keep everyone's mind on that essential factor, you'll need to think about how products are positioned, not just within the store or the fulfillment center, but also on the shelf. How can you make it easy for picking? How can you make it easy for scanning, for example? Automation is, again, another interesting part, and I think we'll see more development in this quick commerce automation space, whether that is robotics or whether that is actually vision systems. Think deploying checkout-free technology like you might find in Amazon Go or Amazon Fresh and putting that into a dark store so that your pickers are naturally tagged around the store and you recognize when they are picking the specific items for a customer order. I think there'll be lots of interesting innovation happening here. But also in this pick and pack part, you'll need to be thinking about your resourcing plan as well. The availability of pickers is going to be absolutely essential. It's likely quick commerce is going to happen at key times of day. You know, think times around mealtimes if you're in the grocery sector. So you will want to make sure that you've got enough pickers to fulfill demand. And if you don't, then you need to be able to transmit that data back to limit the number of customer orders so that you don't blow your proposition out of the water. But this opens up a really interesting debate around slack in the resourcing plan, and actually how much spare capacity you build in just in case the orders do come in. And that's gonna be an essential balance to really consider very carefully in this whole quick commerce space. Now, of course, the delivery is a key part. And in particular, there are so many different employment models here. And this of course is partially linked to the business model that you are choosing as well. If you are choosing the courier, this is essentially outsourcing this whole delivery aspect. And as we've heard, some quick commerce companies do employ staff like Getir, for example, and others use gig economy workers with different pros and cons, of course. But if you are working with partners here, there is going to be another handoff where you need to be thinking about that data agility and data responsiveness, as we were talking about earlier. You may also need to be thinking about different transport types. Last time we were talking about the evolution of transport into smaller and smaller vehicles, I suppose, and eventually into robots, I think. But where do you draw the line? Are you going to be working on bicycles, mopeds, electric scooters, self-driving cars, drones, you name it. But whatever that decision, safety will be another key factor here. But we're going to come back to that. So hold that thought about safety for the moment. But this whole delivery part of the operating model also needs to very closely link into the proposition that you make to customers. We've certainly seen a number of quite strong delivery guarantees in that ultra fast space where if a delivery is late, then a customer gets rewarded with a period of extended free deliveries, for example. So you're going to want to make sure that If that's the case, you are definitely delivering, otherwise it's going to come back and financially and operationally bite you later on. There are a number of other aspects that feed into the operating model as well. Pricing, for example, both product pricing and delivery pricing needs to be considered, which may impact your operating model in terms of thinking about where you are making the money. Range is another option. You're going to want to keep that range tight but not too tight. (laughs) It's finding out what that sort of almost a minimum viable range is, uh, MVR, I suppose. (laughs) But also, I suppose taking lessons from agile, how are you gonna keep that range and keep it adjusting and flexible and listening to customer feedback based on what is working and what is not? And there you're gonna be wanting to think about, actually, what's the data that I'm collecting on my app or my website, what are customers searching for? that I don't stock, that I could stock and will actually work. And that I suppose is an element of feedback loop, which is again, another important aspect of any real retail business to be honest, but again, especially important in quick commerce for a number of reasons, particularly as it's so competitive out there. But ongoing optimization is another critical factor of the operating model that I wanted to talk to you about today. We know e-commerce is full of data and data collection, and the same is absolutely true here as well. You obviously have very few opportunities for delay, and doing a superb job of data collection and data analysis will allow you to identify exactly where and how to improve the operation, to shave off those few seconds. Also, as we're thinking about optimization, The Lean Six Sigma principles are going to be a key enabler to cut out waste and focus on what's most important. A couple of tools that you may want to be thinking about are SMED, which stands for Single Minute Exchange of Dyes. Now, this is a concept from a manufacturing factory environment where you're going to want to change over all your different molds to minimize downtime. And this really is about getting processes prepped up and different parts in place before the start time. And the best analogy I can really give you here, if you're not quite sure what SMED is, is think about an F1 pit crew or a racing pit crew. They do not wait for the car to arrive and then quickly get off the chairs and run and go, oh, we need four tires, quick. (laughs) No, everyone is in their specific position Before the car arrives, the tires are off the shelf, the tools are in the hands. There is a very specific specialization of roles. Everyone knows what they're doing and knows what other people are doing as well. Processes are simple and people have just what they need to do that particular process. No more. And in turn, that racing pit crew can do some phenomenal things that just wasn't possible. And imagine if you took that racing pit crew and you put that into your operation. What would that look like to be able to turn around a customer order in super fast time? Another Lean Six Sigma principle here that you may want to think about is Poker Yoki, which is around mistake proofing. Errors and mistakes are all around us all the time. Sometimes you realise, but sometimes... We're actually making small corrective actions that prevent mistakes being made. But nevertheless, it's those small corrective actions that slow us down. Think about the evolution of the USB port. The original USB would only fit in one way. There is no way to make an error about that. But you had to make sure it was the right way around. But now with USB-C, you can put it in upside down or not. And of course, the next evolution of that will be a circular port that means you don't even need to connect it, right? You can just plug it straight in. Bit like the original headphone jacks when you think about it. So do think about how you can deploy Lean Six Sigma principles into your thinking and into your operating model. Ultimately, it's going to be different based on what your process is and what your category is and what your product is. But you must be thinking about optimization actually as part of your operating model. Now, there are plenty of other conundrums to dive into as well, but we're not going to have the time to go into all of those today. But just think about the fact that operating models are important because they need to be tuned intentionally for that specific top performance in aspects like speed and consistency. But also, do not forget what we were talking about last time in terms of the essence of quick commerce is actually about convenience. And what does that mean as well to your customers and to your business and even to your colleagues as well? So I appreciate whilst we've been talking about that operating model, we've been thinking about the ultra fast delivery aspect quite a lot, but the principles are the same. Whether you are judging that convenience is something different than a 10 minute delivery. But nevertheless, there are some challenges with the move into quick commerce. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time Jumping through these. And the first challenge that we should talk about is the fact that a 10 minute delivery is not for every company and it's not for every customer. Not everyone needs to have an ultra fast 10 minute delivery. Or if you are listening in the future, then a nine minute delivery or an eight minute delivery or whatever is the new sexy number. (laughs) But not everyone does need ultra fast in all seriousness. And it's not for every category or every product or every retailer, right? And remember, location won't work everywhere, certainly in a financially feasible way. And so it's important to recognize that quick commerce doesn't necessarily need to mean 10 minutes. You know, we've talked about this a few times over this episode and the last episode. Think more about quick as relative to the expectation. And furthermore, think more about convenience Rather than speed. But nevertheless, faster and faster is a challenge that you need to be thinking about. There is this Kano type model going on here where faster is perceived as better. But I think there has to be a limit somewhere. When do we decide that this is just a race to the bottom? It feels like we're going to get to the stage of who can shave off an extra minute? Who can get it to an under 10 minute delivery time, an eight minute delivery time, a five minute delivery time, you know? Is this really important? I think that's going to be a big question hanging over this entire market segment of retail. And of course, we were talking just a moment ago about financial feasibility. And I think this whole profitability and this whole feasibility is really important. You've got companies like Getir who are admitting that they are not yet profitable, but will be soon. And I think we've seen, not necessarily in the Q-commerce space, but we've seen a number of these big sort of tech companies that are not profitable and they risk going boom, right? And I do wonder in this densely packed startup market, how many can make their way to profitability versus how many will make their way to a quick investment buck. Another challenge to think about here is this whole employment model. And that's closely linked to the business model that you're choosing as well. Around the world, different gig economy regulations have or will be continuing to come into place. And that will change how gig workers in this quick commerce space are managed and what that sort of duty of care is as well. Because quick commerce does present a number of driver dangers as well in this battle between speed and safety. And this is a very real danger. If we look to markets where quick commerce is actually more established, there are some frightening things going on. In Turkey, for example, a news outlet reported in 2020 that one in 10 moped couriers die in the first year of employment. One in 10 is a frightening number, I'm sure you'll agree. And then in China, there are many issues from horrific accident stats. And even strikes as couriers are challenged to go faster and faster and rewarded or actually penalized for not going fast, right? You know, there are examples where people are having their pay or bonuses docked and removed. And I'm sure you can imagine what that means to people, right? And in turn, the behaviors that that drives. What's also interesting in China is actually in response, we're starting to see consumers wanting to opt for slower deliveries because they don't want to have that ultra fast delivery when they don't need it they recognize that is not a good thing so i wonder if we'll start to see that coming into play too sustainability will continue to be a challenge where you are making lots of one trip journeys there and back there and back you know even though we've got electric mopeds in use in some of these companies like getir for example there still is an energy and resource cost to the planet. And there has to be the question at some point to say, is this what we want to be moving into as a a human race, right? Taking a different view on challenges, data processing we touched on earlier, of course. That is a key challenge to face into. It's complicated, but it needs to be fast and reliable. And it needs to be agile as you jump from different systems and overcome the data silos that do exist. Incidentally, I've got a great article on data silos, so do head over to the show notes at obandco.uk slash 170 and take a read of that. It's a highly competitive market which presents a number of different challenges. There are the four different business models we assessed, so each one of those will be shifting and moving and continually evolving as well, just this last week, GoPuff announced that they are launching their own label food and products as they take their business to the next step of the retailer model. But in this highly competitive market, market share fluctuations are going to be happening all of the time, and it's going to be very volatile, which will be important as you start to think about partnerships, but also as you start to think about what acquisitions could do to that market as well. And of course, lots of competition means lots of battles for that customer basket. And unfortunately, I can see discounts being the rather blunt weapon that is used to win new customers or earn, air quotes, loyalty. But that of course has its own challenges that will impact long-term profitability. But if we do go down a heavily discounted market, it could become very fragmented where customers learn to have no loyalty. They learn to always shop around, always use a different provider, just looking for the best offers and the best deals at any moment in time. And we've already seen in the grocery market how customers have started to shop around over the past few years. And I do wonder whether that will play into the ultra-fast quick commerce market as well. But on the flip side, I could very easily see subscription models taking over. You know, think Amazon Prime. Lock in loyalty for a fee and trust that customers will come back time and time again. And then finally, there is this risk of customer expectation setting. We have seen this Q-commerce market expand at a huge rate. And that is quickly becoming the normalized expectation of deliveries. How long will it be until next day seems slow? How long will it be until one hour just isn't good enough? We've already talked about the fact that rapid delivery is becoming very addictive. And I've been, as I said before, taken back at how quickly this whole space has grown in such a quick speed, given how slowly. Relatively, grocery e commerce has grown over the past 20 years. And so I do think customer expectations are going to start to be reset in the big cities. And I do wonder whether it will force a bit of a social divide actually between big cities and non big cities, where people get used to living in the moment with everything ultra fast. And actually, if you move out to the country, so to speak, suddenly everything is working at a really slow and inconvenient pace compared to what you've been used to. You know, once we've unleashed the beast of ultra-fast and set that customer expectation, set that benchmark, how easy is it going to be to bring customers back to slower delivery times? That's going to be a key challenge that faces the whole market. And ultimately, I think that will play a key part in your strategy. Because if everyone else is doing quick commerce, when do you start? So I do think this is a fascinating segment of retail, and it will continue to evolve across the entire retail market, I think. Every week in the retail transformation briefing that I issue, there seems to be a new development in this quick commerce space, or in convenience shopping. And I think that has got to be the key takeaway is the fact that you need to be thinking about what does convenience really mean to your customers? Is convenience about speed? Is it about laziness? Or is it about something else? As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and the previous episode. So do reach out to me, oliver.banks at obco.uk, or message me on LinkedIn. Now, I hinted at the Retail Transformation Briefing just a moment ago, which, if you are not already signed up, is what you are missing from your life. (laughs) The Retail Transformation Briefing is my weekly email newsletter, absolutely free, and it charts the ever evolving world of retail. In the Retail Transformation Briefing, you get the key headlines from all over the globe focused on retail transformation, plus, you get insight and intel that helps to keep your finger firmly on the pulse. So if you want to sign up, then head over to the show notes at obandco.uk 170. And whilst you are over there, you'll also find references to another few episodes to listen to, which are obviously episode 169, the previous episode, where we started our conversation, about the rise of QCommerce, but also episode 124, number 124, where I was talking about how to be a data-driven retailer. In episode 105, we took a look at simplifying retail operations, and simplification will be a key part of enabling that quick commerce operating model. And then finally, try episode 113, with Dr. Jackie Mulligan, as we were talking about disruptive thinking for a volatile world. And I would suggest there are some great golden nuggets in that episode waiting for you as you start to think about the world of quick commerce. So go check that one out. If you can't remember the numbers I just quoted, the one place to head over to is obandco.uk slash 170 and do sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're there. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll look forward to joining you in another episode very, very soon. Goodbye.